0: Well, it's a joy to be here, and uh, I know we're separated by quite a few miles, but uh, it is always a real privilege to come down and minister with like-minded folk who are uh, consistently loving the Lord and serving the Lord down here as uh, we are seeking to do um, up there in Sydney at Southern Cross. Um, Bring greetings from the folk up there, and uh, I know that uh, our thoughts for you down here are Uh, Mutual in that uh, we love you in the Lord and are grateful for you. There seems to be less and less who are willing to uh, take a stand for the truth of God's word in these days, and uh, so it's encouraging to see uh, the stand taken down here. We're going to turn this evening to uh, Luke chapter 19 and just read um, just a few verses uh, from this passage. Luke chapter 19. Not really looking at the sufficiency of God in the... uh, in the theme but uh, the sufficiency of God to uh, preserve our souls and uh, we look to him for his uh, promise of his word that uh, he will come again and that uh, is the great hope and joy of the believer and uh, some just a a short challenge this evening from Luke chapter 19 and uh, we'll have our base here but we're looking at a number of other scriptures as well Luke 19 and just reading from verse 11 to 13. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy, Till I come, we won't go and read the uh, the rest of the parable there, but uh, let's just uh, stop there in verse thirteen with those words: "Occupy till I come." And let's ask the Lord to bless the reading of His Word and the preaching of His Word this evening. Father, indeed, it is a great privilege to be gathered in the name of our precious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, tonight with many here this evening who love You, uh, who have been gloriously saved and uh, who too are looking for that glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And we know that this is one less Lord's Day till he come. And Lord, how we want to be about our Father's business. We want to be uh, watching and we want to be ready for when our Lord comes. And uh, Lord, encourage our hearts tonight. Uh, Warm our hearts, uh, but Lord, challenge our hearts, we pray. Uh, We are a people who are prone to apathy uh, we 're prone to be infected by the the world around us, so Lord, cleanse us tonight, give us a fresh vision of truth and light from your word as only the spirit can impart. We pray for His enabling. Uh, for this, your servant tonight, Lord may Christ alone be glorified, and may you use me as uh, your channel of blessing uh, for the people that gathered here tonight in Jesus name. Amen. the disciples here who um, the Lord is addressing uh, seem to have thought that the Old Testament promises of Messiah's visible kingdom and glory were about to be immediately fulfilled because it says there they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear Uh, they believe rightly believe that indeed he was the Messiah he was the Christ of God he was the anointed one the promised one as the prophets foretold but Uh, They blindly supposed that he was going at once to take himself, to himself, his great power and reign supremely over this earth. They did not realize that before all these prophecies could be fulfilled, it behooved Christ to suffer. It behooved Christ to suffer first. They understood the dispensation of the crown and glory, um, but not the dispensation of the cross and shame. In a sense, they looked over that dispensation. Uh, But this must come, as the prophets foretold. The Jews could see nothing in the Old Testament prophecy but Christ's coming, uh, his exaltation and his final power in a literal thousand-year reign. And yet, today, with far more light uh, of Scripture, uh, we live in an age where there is much emphasis on Christ and his suffering, but little emphasis on uh, the coming of his crowning glory. So this evening we'd like to focus on this challenge of watch and be ready. Watch and be ready. In the days of the apostles, the disciples were comforted and encouraged by the blessed assurance of the personal return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I don't know if you've tried to put yourself there. If you've ever been to um, the Holy Land and to Israel there and thought about what it would have been like to have been with the Lord Jesus at the point of his ascension, to be there and uh, for him to be taken up into heaven. And uh, we read in the account in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, um, the angel said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Now, I think I would have been gazing up in heaven too if I were there and had been uh, in the Lord's presence and he had been taken up right before our eyes. But then came this wonderful assurance. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. This was the hope of the church. This is still the hope of the church. His imminent coming should have continued To be the hope of the church yet in so many pulpits this is not the case so I want us to think about three points this evening Uh, the certainty of his coming the comfort of his coming and the consequence of his coming let's think about the certainty of his coming Um, it's sadly lacking in many pulpits the the, the preaching on the certainty and the imminency of our Lord's coming. And uh, why is this so? Why is this when clearly from Scripture it was the Lord's intent that his church, that his bride should watch and wait and look for him? Uh, that's what the angels declared in, the, in those verses at the Ascension, wasn't it? Uh, this same Jesus, he shall come in like manner. Uh, Jesus himself declared it in Matthew 25:31. He said, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. When the Son of Man shall come. That was the assurance that our Savior gave. He again gave the assurance in John 14, verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will come again. God is not a God that he should lie. He said he will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Uh, looking in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, we see there's a point unto man once to die, but after this the judgment And verse 28 goes on to say, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him. Them that look for him. Does that describe you this evening? As one that is looking for the Saviour? Unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time, without sin unto salvation. That wonderful completion of our salvation. When we shall finally be uh, rid of these uh sin sick bodies and be uh, out of this sin sick world paul declared it uh in first thessalonians 4 16 that wonderful uh rapture passage that we know well for the lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel the trump of god and the dead in christ shall rise first for the lord himself shall descend They're great words of comfort and uh with a great assurance he shall descend clearly Jesus will appear in person uh, these are not references to the coming of the Holy Spirit this is uh, or he's manifesting himself to the believers it's not a reference to death uh, the scriptures speak often of the fact of the rapture and the second coming of Christ uh, the, the rapture, that beginning of the 70th week and his second coming, the end of the 70th week philippians chapter 3 verse 20 for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the savior the lord jesus christ it's a good perspective to have isn't it <laughs> when your conversation is in heaven uh, it is only then that you are looking for the savior and if your conversation is not in heaven then your look will be to the things of this world the things that are temporary, the things that will pass away. But if, if our, we understand our citizenship is in heaven and uh, our life is hid with God in Christ, it's heavenly, then we will look for the Saviour who shall change our vile body. He shall change. They're definite words. He shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. We look and he shall change. It's been the certain hope of the ages. Uh, Think way back as Hebrews 11 testifies in verse 17, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac and that, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence also he received him in a figure and coming into verse 35 in Hebrews 11 that great chapter of faith women received their dead raised to life again and others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain what? a better resurrection all this wonderful hope of what was to come All through the ages, this glorious hope of God's people. So There's the certainty of his coming. And now let's think about the comfort of the reality and the assurance of his coming. I'm sure that we have all attended funerals and some of us may have even directed funerals of unbelievers. There is no more hopeless occasion than the funeral of an unbeliever. There is no hope for that one, nor will there ever be any hope. The atheists and religious most often will speak of heaven and a better place at a funeral. (laughs) Amazing how many atheists aren't atheists at funerals. Religious people talk of a better place and how good John Smith was and where he is now, and yet all to no avail. Lost and lost forever sobering words aren't they but that's what the lord clearly has communicated to us in his word in matthew twenty-five, forty-one. then shall he say unto them on the left hand depart from me ye cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels verse 46 and these shall go away where into everlasting punishment but the righteous into life eternal. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8. In a flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. More clarification. And that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Never come to him and have a personal relationship with him through the gospel of Jesus Christ. What will happen to them? Verse 9 who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Revelation 20 and verse 10, sobering words at the very end of the scriptures in those last few chapters. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's a wonderful verse. (laughs) No more deceiver. He'll be there forever and ever. But sobering, in verse 15 we read, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The same lake of fire. What hopelessness there is for those who pass this life without Christ, but what comfort there is for the believer who has gone home to be with his father and now awaits that great resurrection day of the saints and i'm sure that we've all been to funerals that are more uh, celebrations of the mercy and the grace and the goodness of god uh, being demonstrated in the life of the one who's gone home to be with the lord and uh, they are certainly times of Uh, mixed emotions and uh, we've I'm sure uh, experienced those mixed emotions at gravesides when we bury that body but we bury it in the glorious assurance and hope that one day we will be reunited 1 Thessalonians 4 as the Apostle Paul was seeking to give comfort to those who'd asked him where are the loved ones who have died in Christ What's happened to them? But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. What assurance it is that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And how appropriate is the very next verse. (laughs) Wherefore, comfort one another. There is great comfort in the hope of the Lord's return comfort one another then lastly i'd like for us to think about the consequence of his coming three consequences uh, if you'll allow me three consequences we should think about in the light of his the surety of his coming again Uh, one the first consequence is the fact that we need to be looking for his return looking for for His return, it is our Lord's will that we, as His disciples, should both look for and wait for His return. I uh, love Titus chapter two words. I'm sure that you're very familiar with. For the grace of God, verse eleven. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That's a glorious thought, isn't it? God's grace has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. How shall we be living? Well, that's quite clear, isn't it? Soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Pros de It's that awaiting with confidence and patience looking for Uh, it's that also the sense of accepting the fact of what is about to come and allowing that to then influence and dictate how I live that's that sense of looking for his appearing awaiting with confidence and patience Think about some people throughout the scriptures who have been waiting in faith but with full assurance that the promises would come to fruition just as God said they would. Uh, Mark 15.43 gives testimony of Joseph of Arimathea. He was an honourable counsellor which also waited for the kingdom of God and he went boldly on the pilot and craved the body of Jesus. And in Luke 2.25, we read of a man whose name was Simeon. We named our Simeon after this Simeon. This Simeon of old was promised that he would see the Messiah before he died. And we named our Simeon, believing that our Simeon will probably see the rapture before he dies, should the Lord give him years to live. The signs, the times are everywhere. Uh, But there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout. What was he doing? Waiting. Waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. In the same chapter, a few verses later, we read of Hannah, the prophetess, uh, who came in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel joseph he waited for the kingdom of god simeon he was waiting for the consolation of israel anna she was looking for the redemption in jerusalem and in jude 21 jude encourages us to keep yourselves in the love of god looking for the mercy of our lord jesus christ unto eternal life looking for the mercy of god paul exhorted the corinthians To be waiting in 1 Corinthians 1 7, to be waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, We've read Philippians 3:20, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 12, it was the exhortation of of many of the writers of Scripture, wasn't it? This was their glorious hope and the direction of their gaze. It was heavenward. Second Peter three twelve, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens shall heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. There is much that lies before us in prophecy. There's much yet to happen. Uh, For us as Gentiles and for the Jewish nation, there's much to come. But we're on the brink because the signs are everywhere. And then the second consequence is that we need to watch. We need to not only look for his return, we need to be watching. There is that element of carefulness and vigilance. Carefulness and... And vigilance as we watch and wait. Uh, we read of the uh, account in, in Matthew 24 uh, of, of those who who would have watched. You know, if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched. And would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore. Because he would have watched if he had have known. Therefore, be also ready for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Would have watched. Uh, It's that sense of keeping awake, watching, being vigilant. Therefore, be ready. And that word is be adjusted, be prepared. Uh, Be ready for what is uh, certainly and assuredly going to happen and now you think not think about why is there such opposition to the teaching on the return of Christ well you think about the fact that god is about preparing his bride for his return <laughs> so we would expect there to be opposition we would expect there to be opposition to such truth god is seeking to fit us for heaven prepare us for the eternal uh, this is not our home we're just passing through we are pilgrims Uh, We feel like a bit of a pilgrim at the moment. Our family, we have just kind of on a big road trip and seeing all these places and and we're going home. (laughs) We're going back to our temporary dwelling place. But uh, finally, we'll all be called home to our permanent dwelling place. The Lord has instructed us as to how we should respond to the certain fact that at any time our Lord will meet us in the air. Second Peter 3.14 Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, seeing that we know what is yet to come, we, we see it in the scripture, uh, how we respond? Be diligent that ye may be found in him in peace, in peace with God and thereby at peace. Uh, are we at peace with God tonight? We walk in fellowship with him. Without spot, without blemish, and blameless. This is how we are to live as we look for such things. Being diligent. That word diligent means to use speed, to make effort, to be prompt, to be earnest, to give great priority and endeavor, to labor, to study, Uh, give diligence that we may be found of him in peace. This is not something that happens by default. This has to be a priority. This has to be the focus. This has to be where we are looking and where we are giving ourselves to the passion of our lives. 1 John 3, uh, verse 2. These words are quite challenging aren't there. Uh, Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We don't know all the details of what is to come. Praise the Lord for what he has shown us and revealed to us in his word and that is uh, assuredly enough to get us very excited about what is ahead but we don't know all the details but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him shall we need to know any more <laughs> we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and how shall we respond to this glorious hope and every man that hath this hope this hope that when he appears we shall be like him every man that hath this hope in him what does he do he purifieth himself even as he is pure that is he cleanses he sanctifies himself nine times throughout scripture we see that phrase sanctify yourselves and that's what is being spoken of here this man that hath this hope in him sanctifies himself and the uh First occurrence is back in Leviticus eleven forty-four. For I am the Lord your God, ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Because we are his, and he is holy, he says, Sanctify yourselves, and because we have this hope that he which is holy is going to come again, and we're going to be like he who is holy, therefore sanctify yourselves keep yourselves clean and pure praise the lord for one john 1 9 what a great assurance that is for the believer we have a great advocate with the father through our lord jesus christ he who is uh, our great high priest and has given us that assurance that if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and lastly the third consequence as we finish this evening, is occupy. And we seal that in our, our opening verse this evening. Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. It, it literally means to busy oneself with or to trade. To busy oneself with. I know that you, I think this we can safely call this the age of great distraction. <laughs> People are so distracted, and the devil loves to have it so. By all sorts of things. And it seems that the enemy of our souls is very good at tailor-making our distractions. (laughs) Uh, We all are distracted in different ways and by different things. For some, it's uh, computer games. Uh, Years and years ago, the average age of the computer gamer was 18. But a few years ago, I don't know what it's like now, but a few years ago, I read that the average age of the computer gamer was 35. 35. Um, Boys who never become men. (laughs) The great distraction. And there are many other distractions. But we are not to be a distracted people. We've been given the task. (laughs) Occupy till I come. Be about the father's business till I come. It really is about an exhortation to be a doer in your Christianity and not merely a hearer or a professor. Our Lord wants his servants to not only receive his wages, eat his bread, dwell in his house, belong to his family, but also to do his work, (laughs) to do his work. We are his. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. In John chapter 4 and verse 34 Jesus saith unto them my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. If we could just make that a declaration for our lives think about that my meat my, the purpose for me existing here is to do the will of him he who created me he who paid for my redemption it's all about me finishing his work how do you know when your work's finished well there'll be a funeral service just after it <laughs> you'll call your home uh, or the trumpet will sound that's when you know your work's done they say retirement is spelled r-a-p-t-u-r-e uh, that's when you know that your work is done say not ye there are yet four months and then cometh harvest don't think i'll serve the lord when my degree's finished yeah when i'm done in school when when i've paid off the mortgage when you know when there's plenty of milestones through life that we people give excuses for when they will serve the lord don't don't say in four months uh, behold i say unto you lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest god has a work for us to do today today and he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together Uh, i often tell our students are you getting ready for the biggest day of your life (laughs) what's the biggest day of your life judgment that's the biggest day of your life and my life when we stand before god and we give an account and our and our our works are tried by fire we know that fire doesn't lie. <laughs> if, it, if it's combustible, it'll burn, as we've seen over the last few months. <clears throat> if it uh, is combustible, it will, it will just be uh, nothing. There we loss, but praise the Lord that we can labour for that which is eternal. And when it's tried by fire, it'll produce that gold, silver, and precious stone, that which will last forever. We ought to cast at His feet. Uh, the rewards that are given to us praise God that the son the Lord Jesus Christ finished the work that his father gave him and what about us will we finish the work that the father has given us to do we all have a different work to do there's some precious three word phrases in the scriptures God loves me that's a precious one God is love that's a precious one But what about the words, it is finished? Aren't they precious words? It is finished. Aren't you glad that our Saviour finished the work that he came to do? He bought our redemption and was able to say, it is finished. The Apostle Paul uh, was a man who desired to finish his course well. And we see that sentiment coming out in Acts twenty twenty four. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. Doesn't matter where the Lord leads me, or what he has for me. My life is all about living for him. Why did he say that? Well, he says in verse 24, he goes on to say, so that I might finish my course with joy. Isn't that what you want? To finish your course with joy and not with regret. I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. There's no higher calling than the calling of the Christian to be an ambassador of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, to take the blessed gospel into this dark wicked world that desperately needs to hear of the savior and he wanted to finish his course with joy so what a blessing it was what a joy it was for him to be to write his very last epistle out of the prison and was it what was his focus on well you wouldn't have known really that he was in the conditions that he was in except that we know where he was and we know the conditions of that kind of prison in that day uh it was no five-star resort, the hole in the ground, uh, with the bread and whatever lowered down into that dark, damp dungeon that he was in. But you wouldn't have picked that up from the writing of Second Timothy. And as he finishes this letter, this final chapter, his final letter, and he's exhorting young Timothy, and he says to him, Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work an evangelist of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. How wonderful to get to the end of your life and say, I'm ready. I'm ready for God to take me home because I've finished my course. I've been faithful. By God's grace, we can't take any credit, it's all His enabling, His work. I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. I fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I've kept the faith. Those three phases are on (coughs) Brother Mike Coghlan's tombstone. What a great testimony of a servant of God. Um, Oh, to have those three phrases on my tombstone, on your tombstone. I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. Henceforth, because of that, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. What great confidence Paul had in knowing what was yet to come. He will give me it in that day because he said he would. And not to me only. It's not just for the Apostle Paul's. But who else is it for? All them. All them also that what? Love is appearing. Yeah, those who are looking for it, loving it, living for it. Their gaze is heavenward. So think about tonight where we stand, where we're heading, what my priorities are, where where have I set my affections, where is my gaze? What can I do for my blessed Saviour as I watch and wait for his coming? How can I most glorify him in the time that God gives me here on this earth? And it may be tonight. We may not even get to bed tonight. New your maths teacher who would write on the board as he began the lesson, maybe today. And then he started his maths lesson. (laughs) But there's that constant reminder on the board for the students to see. It may be today. Our Lord may come. The imminency of his return. How can I best use for him all with which he has entrusted me? We have so much. Uh, We have an abundance uh, in this very blessed country. We have so much uh, to be able to use for him. My strength, my talents, my money, my time, my sight, my tongue, my mind, my body. And the devil would like for us to think that I'm not as good as the one next to me or I don't have as much as this or as much of that. But I love hearing testimonies of, Invalids who have done great things for God. And I read one just recently of a man who had shriveled up hands, shriveled up feet, and had to be carried into the service. Completely relied upon others to have to carry him on a stretcher wherever he needed to go. And uh on top of all that he was blind, couldn't see, couldn't walk, blind, but uh the radiance of Christ beamed on his face. And there was a nurse who was um, given this man to look after. Uh, She was to be his carer. And she wasn't so impressed with having to look after a complete invalid uh, with such disabilities. But it wasn't long after that that she couldn't thank the Lord enough that she had been given this man to look after for he led her to Christ. Christ. And then she learned that he had led some hundred and sixty others to Christ. And then she learned that others would come and sit next to him and hear from him counsel, godly counsel, encouragement in the Christian life. He would, uh, would ring him and ask him for counsel. Uh, this invalid, blind, but gave his all for his master. What excuse do we have tonight for not doing what God would have us to do in this very short life we must not yield to the temptation of merely filling in time while we wait rather to be vigilant about being about our father's business with a great sense of urgency for we know not how much time we have left i heard it said recently you cannot kill time and not injure eternity what are we doing with our lives well you watch and be ready let's pray Father, what, what a glorious and blessed hope is that of the Christian. Uh, we live in a world that is that has no hope, uh, a world that has no answers to the uh, deep and serious problems that our country and our uh, world is facing, and we just see crises deepening on so many fronts. People are despairing, uh, for they look... Uh, in vain uh, to all sorts of uh, proposed solutions. And yet, Lord, there is only one hope for anybody on this earth, that is our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to be found in him, uh, to be declared righteous and to be given uh, eternal life, uh, to be born again and uh, to be granted uh, sonship. What a what a wonderful standing we have in him. Lord, may we as your people, for those here who know Christ as Saviour, may we not be distracted by the things of this world. Uh, So many distractions around us. Help us to see them for what they are. Uh, Great robbers of time and energy and resources that we could be putting into that which will last forever. Help us to be careful, to be vigilant to be wise, to be sober-minded, realising that we do have an enemy. uh, But we're thankful that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. May we look to him and uh, may our our gaze be heavenward at all times, in all situations, in all circumstances, looking for that blessed hope of our great God and Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.